This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam. We're here to bring you some more Chiefs news and views. Verderam, how you how you doing, man? I feel like we don't get to talk as much as we you're in and out of vacations and we got things going on. How, how have things been with you? Good, good. Yeah, I know the summer that, that, that'll happen. I'm actually going out to San Francisco next week, and then my vacations are finally done. Um, but I always take I always stack them in the summer for obvious reasons. So um it's funny actually my wife and i we we had this trip planned for a long time and then the nfl preseason schedule comes out and the chiefs will be out in san francisco saturday night we're getting there saturday morning so maybe go to the game i i'm not sure um wasn't planning on it but uh you know we have nothing going on that night the only thing is they play in santa clara and not san francisco so it's actually like a 40 minute ride out to the game just a little bit of a pain in the ass but um yeah, no, good. Otherwise, good. Just uh, plugging along. And now tonight, uh, as we're recording this on a Thursday, the fir- the first of the week one preseason games. I'll share the Hall of Fame game, but now we get into the week one, only three weeks this year. Um, and only two games tonight, New England and Washington and Philly and Pittsburgh. But it feels like football starting to really kind of come back and, and round into shape here. And definitely some intrigue with uh with those teams new england in particular and and, and even yep. washington um and with only a couple preseason games it'll be interesting to see how these coaches handle that and we're going to talk about the chiefs I've, I've got on the on the docket here for us to talk a little bit about how how we think that andy reed and the Chiefs should approach the preseason as well um but i wanted to add, so i <laughs> i got myself some cocoa puffs we've been talking about cocoa puffs here for a while is that the top of your cereal, chocolate cereal pyramid? Is it like more than, than Cocoa Krispies? Yes, chocolate cereal, yeah. It's yeah, it's young question go. It really is satisfying. I kind of like it when the when they start to get a little saturated in the milk, the texture changes yeah, yeah. a little bit. I kind of dig it. I don't know. I don't know if everybody else feels that way. <laughs> it is a it is a beautiful thing. Um, any other uh, interesting food? news for our listeners out there they love when we talk about it at the beginning of the podcast i was gonna say i'm sure they're thrilled with starting with no um (laughs) you know what no although the next one i'll have a lot to say because i'm going out to san francisco and my wife wants to basically i think hit every restaurant in town so it's um it'll be interesting because you know i i don't think i've ever mentioned this on the podcast i don't know why i would but my back's been bothering me for like two months so i i've no i i I think it's just a pulled muscle i went and actually x-rays done a couple of days ago, they just wanted to roll out like any worst case scenarios, which luckily were rolled out. But um, I'm on I'm on a steroid right now to try to get the muscle to calm down. And I didn't realize that steroids make you basically retain every ounce of fluid in your body. And so the last handful of days have been like, why do I feel so much heavier? Like, what is going on? You know, I mean, I I couldn't figure it out. And I've, I mentioned it to my wife, who's, a, who's a, got a doctor, who's a nurse practitioner. And she was like, well, of course you feel that way. You're retaining all this water. You're basically like a pregnant woman in terms of like all your retention, because that's what steroids will do. So, so that's good. Between that and going out and eating six days worth of San Francisco food and then dessert, I, I, I should be like the Michelin man by the time we get back to the house. <laughs> yeah. um, 
that'll be that'll be interesting. Um, I'll report back when I'm about 20 pounds above my normal weight uh, here in a week. Well, make sure that uh, you don't get gout out there. Take it easy. Um, yeah. You want to be in that situation. Um, speaking of food, Patrick Mahomes is bringing Whataburger to Kansas City. Is there anything is. that this man can't do that, for the, as far as you know, good good deeds for the the he 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 brought him a Super Bowl. We'll start with that. Obviously, That's he brought great. he brought winning football, consistent winning football. I mean, it was there with Alex Smith and Andy Reid, but like championship style football right. back to Kansas City, AFC championships, AFC like, and. He's trying to bring an NBA team, which we'll get to in a second here, but Whataburger? How do you rank? Where does Whataburger rank in like Super Bowl championships, potential NBA team, Whataburger? Oh, I, I mean, you know, I, I guess it just depends on, on where you, where you, your, your loyalty lies with, with the burgers. But it's, look, I'll, I'll put it this way. He, I would almost bet that he will get the city an NBA franchise at some point. Like if you said to me, do you think he will or he wouldn't? I mean, if you're, if you're the NBA, you don't want him involved. Like you don't want him as a front-facing person in the league. Right. You, yeah. Of course you do. I mean, why wouldn't you? The guy, you could make an argument right now that in America, he's the most popular athlete I mean, of, of a team sport. Now you want, you want to start getting into, you know, individual sports, you know, Serena Williams, something like that. That's different, but, in terms of a team sport, he's right up there with, you know, LeBron, yeah. Brady. I mean, there's there's no hockey or baseball player that's bigger than him. Um, as great as great as Mike Trout and Shohei Otani are with the Angels, like neither one of those guys registers in the American conscious anyway, anywhere near the way Mahomes does. So, I really like. I, I think the sky's the limit, and I think it's pretty cool. He's invested in a soccer team now. He's invested, of course, in the Royals. He's. You know, you see sometimes these relationships sour with teams. I mean, he's about as invested in Kansas City as any athlete in any city that I can think of. You know, so yeah, he really it, is. He really, he truly is. Like, you know, and obviously his fiance Brittany Matthews is also she co-owns uh, the women's soccer team in town. So they're so invested roots-wise in the city. It would be really hard to imagine him ever really like, moving on. I, I think. I think it's just a long game. They're having, I mean, obviously, signed a 12 year contract extension. So, um, hey, it's good for him. It's great for Kansas City. And Whataburger, yeah, not bad. Bring it, bring it's, in uh, more food options. It's really incredible. And, um, you know, Matt Connor uh, on the earlier uh, episode this week was talking with Sterling Holmes. And he made a really good point. He was like, you know, if you're Mahomes, if your ultimate goal is to bring an NBA franchise to Kansas City, you're doing all of the things that you need to do, right? Like, obviously, step one, he said, was make a boatload of money, right? He's got a lot of money. He's worth a lot. But then by buying into these other franchises, by buying into the Royals, by buying into the soccer team, his wife, his fiance buying into he's now hobnobbing with all of the, like, the, it's not buying an NBA team or that that's even, you know, it's billionaire, billionaire, billionaire stuff. They, they, they team up to buy these, these franchises. They're worth so much money, right? So as, as, as rich as Mahomes is, he's not going to want to be the, probably the only one. He'll probably want to be part of an ownership group. I would, I would venture to guess. Right. So, um, right. to be, to be able to build those connections in Kansas city, um, and know the right people and get everybody together is huge. I thought that was a really insightful comment by by Matt Connor, which I hadn't really heard anybody point out the the benefits of that. I think it's really great. And he's a smart guy. I think to your point, like he is you know, everybody coming from Northeast Ohio and always hearing about LeBron, he's going to go to a bigger market when he was with the team and all that stuff. And and, and everybody hears this, right? If you're not in New York or LA, you got stars on your team. You have to put up with the national media always talking about, well, if he really wants to maximize his profit, he needs to be in a big market. And the way that I think Mahomes is doing it is showing that you don't have to be. He can be God of the Midwest, right? Like God of Kansas City. He can own all these really important assets and still be a, a national superstar because all that really matters is that he wins championships. Football is just a different beast anyway. It's a national game. Like baseball is a regional sport in this country. It wasn't 50, 75 years ago. It is now. It is. There are certain markets that love baseball. St. Louis, 
the Northeast. Okay. Uh, you know, but basketball, the same thing. Now, basketball has grown immensely in popularity, but I do think, you know, there are certain teams that don't draw. There are certain teams you don't care about nationally. The NFL, that's just not true. I mean, Brett Favre played most of his career in Green Bay and was idolized. Mahomes will play at least most, if not all, of his career in Kansas City, which if you ask somebody from New York or L.A. about Kansas City, they'd basically say, well, I don't know, it's an outpost. I mean, they, that's just the truth, right? Right? You know, I'm not saying it's right, but that, that's the, the mindset. Um, but it doesn't matter with him. Like, he's, he transcends all of that. It, it does, I don't think it, it makes any difference. Plus, in the NFL, like all the games are I, – I shouldn't say they're all national games. But so many people now have access to watch every game. It, it really is national. Like, like I'm a Knicks fan for basketball, but like how many times do I watch like the Utah Jazz or the Denver Nuggets? Not a lot. Right. Not right. a lot. I don't have a league pass, right? Like I can watch the Knicks on my MSG Go service. Like I, That's it. I don't, I don't care. I will not part of this is because it's my job, but even well before it was my job, I will watch every NFL game that I can possibly watch. Every game. Same. Yep. Like it so it doesn't there's not a regionality to it that there is in these other sports. There's only sixteen now, seventeen games. You know, it's just if you're a great football player, you're a great football player, and people are gonna watch. I mean, John Elway played his whole career in Denver, which is a, a large city, but it's not the one of the ones we're talking about. And so I think for Mahomes, it just doesn't matter. Like no, no company's going to shy away from partnering with Patrick Mahomes because he doesn't play in New York. Right. That's just it's not even a, a consideration. Yeah, yeah, it's really exciting for Kansas City to have just to have Mahomes in general, but to have a guy who loves the city, he likes living there, he's putting down roots in a way that maybe no athlete ever has before. I think it's absolutely incredible. Um, speaking of roots. Uh, this broadcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Um, y'all, the, the Manscaped 4.0, the lawnmower 4.0 is here. Um, you can basically go to outer space with this thing. It's got like a 4K LED light on it. It's got a, oh geez, I don't know how many RPMs. Oh, 7,000 RPM motor. That makes me a little nervous to be honest with you. Uh, oh no, it's a 4,000 K. Yeah. Yeah. 4,000 K LED spotlight. The Lawnmower 4.0, Verteram, you and I have been have been using Manscaped, advocating for Manscaped for a while now. I was at a podcast conference the other day. I got to meet some people from Manscaped. You're a big, you're a big supporter of the product. I am. Look, take care of yourselves, right? I mean, it, there's always this mindset among guys of, you know, you, you don't talk about that stuff. It's, you know, it's not it's not something that gets brought up. Okay, yeah, you're probably not gonna bring it up at a dinner party, but you need to take care of business. And it's only right to make sure that you're right. And I think Manscaped has some great stuff. If you use our, our code, Fansided20, you get 20% off, free shipping. It's, it's, a, it's a win-win all the way around. They have great products. I think Manscaped really has serviced a, a need that's out there. And people should really be paying attention and using it. Yeah, it's great stuff. You know, we talk about the crop preserver, the ball deodorant. That's really great. You get the razor. They've got the plow. I think they still sell that. I've got that. If you want to shave like your grandpa used to shave, if you got the if you got the guts to do that uh, with the old straight razor, the safety razor, um, it takes a little bit of getting used to. But once I got used to it, I did. I get an incredible shave. Like it takes like a day off. It gets so close. It's awesome. So check out Manscaped. They also have a really great. Um, just like a like a travel bag that they send with a lot of these things that you can yeah. fit a lot of stuff in. I use that a lot too when I'm when I'm traveling for business like I was last week. Um, okay, everybody, fansided20, manscaped.com, 20% off free shipping. You want to support the show? You haven't bought Manscaped yet. Now's the time. They're going to be with us here through into October. So we really appreciate their support and yours. Manscaped.com, fansided20. Okay, let's get into Chiefs talk now. Um, I wanted to start off talking about your column that came out yesterday morning. It's on fansided.com right now. You can read it. It's, uh, it's called, but if you're looking, if you need to Google it, there's a lot of content on fansided.com. Um, so if you don't see it, it's got a great 
Brett Veach, you know, image in the front, but it's called Inside the Chiefs Offseason, a contender reloads. So just Google that and Matt Verderam and it'll pop up if you don't if you don't see it right on the homepage of fansided.com. Verderam, you've been working on this piece for a number of weeks now. And it goes back to some some reporting that you've been doing for for months over what the Chiefs have been doing during the offseason, people that connections that you have within the organization and the NFL. Can you talk a little bit about for, for those who haven't read it yet, what what's in the piece? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I've been writing it for a few weeks. I've been I've been gathering information on it since March. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to put together. The goal was essentially to highlight a lot of the different moves that the Chiefs made in the offseason, ranging from signing Joe Tooney, Michigan Trent Williams is mentioned in there as well, but they also the, the, the signing of Jerron Reed, the trade for Orlando Brown. And there's a lot of stuff in, in how the draft class shook out with, with Trey Smith, with Noah Gray, with Creed Humphrey, and then also uh, an, an undrafted free agent, Devon Key, who's actually playing really, really well um, with somebody that, that I do my conversations for this piece, I learned is, is a Decent bet to make the roster. Um, watch, by the way, for him. Watch when he's on special teams. If he plays well on teams, he's probably making the roster. So I went and d- did a lot of digging on all those subjects and talked to many sources, um, more than a half dozen high-ranking sources for this piece. And so um, really gathered a lot of intel for it. And I think, you know, look, there is – there's a lot on each one of those subjects that I brought up, you know, for an example, to kind of whet the appetite, um, the Orlando Brown trade. So that happens a week before the draft. And that's a situation where the Chiefs worked with the Ravens for two weeks to try to land Orlando Brown. It was a back and forth. They haggled over value. You know, it's hard when you're trading draft picks, but there's also a player involved. There's a contract. Of course, he's the two teams that are very high, highly thought of in terms of their competitive levels, so and neither one is just in a rebuild and just wants picks thrown at it. They want to make sure they're getting the proper value. One of the things that the, that the teams did to make it work was use an internet draft calculator. Like That was actually ha- helping both sides come to some kind of a consensus on value. Um, and that ended up making a big difference down the road because six days later, the draft starts and the, and the second day of the draft, the Chiefs are sitting in there with two second-round picks, obviously one of them coming from Baltimore. Well, the Chiefs, with, with Baltimore's original second-round pick, they took Nick Bolton. Five picks later, the Chiefs took Creed Humphrey. My understanding from talking to sources on this piece is that the Ravens loved Creed Humphrey. And there's a very good chance that had they had their second-round pick, they would have taken him. So there's a very easy world to imagine, if you do the math, if the Chiefs and the, and the, the Ravens don't make their Orlando Brown trade. Brown stays in Baltimore, so does their second-round pick. There's a good chance they take Humphrey. And Brown and Humphrey are both in Baltimore. Instead, Kansas City has Brown and Humphrey, right? And so just a lot of stuff like that, the, the pivot points that are really interesting, there's a lot of stuff. I talked, another thing, um, George Kittle, had a big impact on Noah Gray this offseason, and so did his entire family, Kittle's entire family. So I, I talked to some people about that. Uh, I, and then, frankly, my favorite part of the whole piece was going in-depth on how the Chiefs ended up drafting Trey Smith. There's a lot of information that I'm not going to give away here on how the Chiefs ended up landing Trey Smith, including a an 11-hour meeting at Arrowhead's facilities during the draft between – four very important people in the organization. And it was, it was fascinating to kind of learn all that and be able to put, uh, put it down on paper. It's a really terrific article and hats off to you for, for all the work that went into it. You bring in just great value for chiefs fans of this behind the scenes stuff. And to think about the think about Creed Humphrey, I know he hasn't played a snap for the Chiefs yet, but everything you're hearing is, you know, day one starter, good, really solid player who knows what he could develop into and you could sometimes find some really great value with these interior offensive linemen. They don't have to be a first-round pick. Um, we saw that with uh, Rodney Hudson. Was, was he a two? Second-round yes. pick, I think? Yeah. 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 So, the, they're, you know, those guys are there. and so um, Mitch Morse. Yeah. Yeah. And they're there. And to think about Brown and Humphrey still, like, both being in Baltimore. Yeah. Makes me makes me a little sick to my stomach. <laughs> I mean, it really does. 
there's so much, you know, and some of it, look, I, I mean, it ended on, up on the cutting room floor because it really was just so much information. That was the hardest part of writing the piece was there was just so much intel that, that talking to different sources I was able to get. And I'm, I'm thankful to all those sources. Obviously, I can't say who they are, but I, I'm thankful to, to all their cooperation and help because really it made the piece a joy to write. But the hardest part was just trying to figure out how the hell to put it all together and make it coherent. So I ended up going in a timeline, chronological order. I just think it was the only way to really make it all flow the way it needed to. Um, and kudos to our editors and our and our graphics team for putting everything together. Um, yeah, it looks really great. Appreci- really appreciate all their efforts. They did a great job in, in, in making it shine. But yeah, it was fun. It was fun to put it together. And, and uh, you know, I think... Well, We've talked about it for for months now. Uh, you know, the Chiefs have been really, really high in this draft class, and I can tell you, from having talked to people around the organization for the last handful of years since I've been a reporter in the league, I guess the last three years, um, they've never been this high in a draft class. You know, last year I reported and wrote out to be, right before the year that they really loved Lejarius Sneed, and that bared out. It showed why he played great for them. But you know, some organizations, and and it's just the way it is. You know, they either they, they blow a little bit of smoke sometimes when you, hey, who's a guy you like in Kansas? You get 15 guys. Like, okay, okay, well, I mean, come on. That's not the way it is with Kansas City. Kansas City, if, if there's not like a whole lot to pump up about a guy, I think, I think there's almost a tact of like, well, let's not make expectations way too big and then, you know, things fall flat. The expectation around this draft class is a Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Noah Gray are all going to be very, very good players. I mean, that is something you hear constantly out of there. So, you know, you, and, and by the way, one guy who I, we haven't talked a lot about, but has also gotten good buzz from my understanding is Niang, who's played really well. Um, you know, we haven't talked a lot about him because, you know, we're talking about Brown, we're talking about Tooney, we're talking about Humphrey and, and Smith. But my understanding is that Niang, even though he's kind of been lost in the shuffle, so to speak, has done a really nice job. And now Remmers comes back to practice today a little bit in a limited capacity. We'll see if he ends up taking that right tackle job back. But I don't think the Chiefs are scared at all of playing three rookies on this line. I know they're not scared of playing two of them because two of them are going to play. And that's been obvious for a while now. Um, I, I I would not be shocked. It is far from out of the question that they're going to start three rookies right next to each other on that line. Yeah, the Noah Gray stuff in here is really great as well. You talk about him training with with George Kittle and George Kittle's father. Um, and, you know, when he came out, everybody was kind of like, oh, yeah, he's like a nice little piece, right? Like he's not incredibly athletic. He's not very fast. He, you know, he's he's got some, some good hands and uh, might be a nice little piece that they can deploy. But it sounds like, you, you know, in the piece, uh, Kittle says, I think it's the Kittle senior, right? He's not. Yes. Yeah. He's not Travis Kelsey, right? Yeah. He's not. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's not. You know, physically Travis Kelsey, but he is a different kind of player. There's a little bit more finesse to his game, and you know, Andy Reid is a mad scientist, and uh, like, who knows? I don't know what Noah Gray is going to be in a few years from now. If you know, Travis Kelsey's off the roster, but with Travis Kelsey on the roster. You see that Andy Reid, we've seen it. Every if the fact that you've been complaining about guys like Nick Kaiser and some of these other backup tight ends over the years getting passes thrown to them, dropping them and things like that. The reason that you've been complaining about those things is because Andy Reid likes to use that second tight end spot as a receiver sometimes and in certain situations. And he hasn't really had anybody that was like a threat. It was a true receiver. No, not at all. Um, I, so I went through. I went through actually when I, I wrote this piece, and I did the research on their second string tight end since Kelsey has been on the team. Not not including his first year when he was out for the year because he had microfracture knee surgery. Okay, so just in the years that Kelsey's been on the field and he's played. So in that in over the last seven seasons, reading right from the article. Kansas City has employed five different second-string tight ends, with only Demetrius Harris holding the job for more than one year. Combined, the quintet managed 954 receiving yards over the seven years. Nobody ever hit over 250. So, look, I think with with Gray, who comes in at 6'3", 240 pounds, okay, he's a guy 
who's 20 pounds lighter than Kelsey, he's two inches shorter. Talking to people around the league, if Noah Gray is 6'4 and 250, he's probably up an inch If you stand on his tip one or three days a week for a month, he's he's a, he's a top 100 pick. Now, he is going to be, and this part is a little bit understand going on, a little bit my opinion. I, I think they're going to use him in a lot of different ways. I think he's going to be used almost as a receiver in a lot of ways. And if you think about it, that's what they do a lot of times with Kelsey. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see them splitting him out and moving him around. Maybe even a play where, you know, he lines up in the backfield, swings out. And I, I think you're going to, my point is there's going to be a lot of fertility with gray. They do love to use their second tight ends and Kaiser just retired. They have nobody else there. I mean, gray's clearly the guy. And by the way, I don't think it's an accident that the Chiefs are completely fine with the fact that Noah Gray is about the only other option they have at tight end right now. I, I don't think they care. Like if, if Kelsey was on this team and and the, who, the, who the player that he is, I think there's a real chance that Noah Gray would just be starting like, like on most teams. Like if he just went to, oh, I don't know, the Chargers, who don't have a great tight end, right? I think he would just be plugged in pretty much. But because the Chiefs have Kelsey, of course, you're not going to do that. I do believe this is a very good scenario. He gets his feet wet. Kelsey, of course, is the number one guy. But you'll see a lot of two tight ends, and it's going to be interesting how they deploy that in the red zone as well. You know, a little bit of a harder matchup down there because if you're a defense and the Chiefs come out with Hill and Hardman wide, Edwards Alaire in the backfield, Kelsey and Gray, well, you've got to respect the run because then you got a two tight end set. But at the, on the same side of things, how do you play that? Do you play nickel? Do you put a corner on Kelsey and you put a linebacker on Gray? Do you go do you go with, with dime and you play six defensive backs and you just say, well, we're going to guard these guys in, in that way? If you do that, you can run the ball. It's basically a seven-on-five drill. It, it creates versatility not only in the, in the scheme but in, in what you can do out of a scheme. We see all the time in the red zone how big of a problem it is when Teams bring in a guy as an eligible receiver who's probably in there to block, but it just mucks up the works, right? Yeah, and and it, it's it makes things easier when you have a mobile quarterback like Mahomes who can move, who can escape pressure, and all the other weapons that Kansas City has. Right, and add to that the play calling creativity of an Andy Reid. You just want to try to keep these guys from getting in the red zone in the first place. I think. Well, look, the, the Chiefs. If you're going to beat Kansas City, it always comes down to, well, first and foremost, you got to get pressure on Mahomes. Okay. But beyond that, you have to play well situationally against Kansas City. You have to get off the field on third down. You, you've got to be able to convert your third downs. You probably have to win the special teams game or at least be break even. And then in the red zone, you absolutely have to win. If you can't win that, you'll, now the Chiefs last year, before the Chargers game where they played their backups, the Chiefs went 14 and one last season against a very, very hard schedule. And they're the worst red zone defense in football. Like, think about how much better they are if this year, if they're middle of the road defensively in the red zone and offensively, they just stay in the top 10. They don't lose. They won't lose. I, I really like, I'm not getting into the whole, will they go 20 and 0 thing? I know that's been kind of a talking point, but I really do think genuinely, if they're healthy, they could go you know, 15 and 2, 16 and 1. Like I really, I genuinely feel that way. When you look at their schedule, they're not going to be an underdog in any game this season, unless they have injuries. If they're healthy, they're not an underdog in any game this season. I know the early lines. The only game that they weren't favored, it was a pick'em at Baltimore. And I got to tell you, good luck finding somebody who's picking Baltimore in that game after the way those two teams have played over the last handful of years. I, I wouldn't want to be on that side of it. I mean, last year when they played each other in Week Three, Jackson didn't throw for a hundred yards in the game, so. If you're a Chiefs fan, between all the rookies in this class, between the, the move they made for Brown, and by the way, and I want to just touch on this quick from the piece, the Jerron Reed signing, I think, is the most underrated thing they did the entire offseason. The most, by a mile. Because when you bring in Jerron Reed, okay, now, now backtrack for a second with me. People will remember they visited with Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram came into Arrowhead about a week to 10 days into free agency. Can't remember off the top of my head exactly when, but it was early on. They had a mutually productive visit, okay? But at the time, the price wasn't right. They both agreed, we'll, we'll revisit this down the line, okay? Well, talking to sources on this, with Jerron Reed, basically what happened in Seattle was 
he, he was on a two-year deal. This was going to be the second of those two years. So he was going to be a free agent after the 2021 season. Reed wanted an extension in Seattle. Played well last year at six and a half sacks in the interior. Disruptive force. Seattle said, look, we need to create some cap space, but we love you. We're going to create that by restructuring your deal, which actually gave him more guaranteed money, but it didn't ex- extend or elongate the deal. Reed who's big on loyalty from my understanding. So look, if you're not going to extend me and I don't want to be here, I want to know that I'm loved. I want to know you care about me. Seattle wouldn't do the extension. They figured he'll come around. No player is going to turn down more guaranteed money, especially a couple weeks into free agency. Well, Jerron Reed against a lot of advice decided, no, I want out. Seattle could not trade him in a 24 hour period that they, they gave themselves to trade him. They end up cutting him to the surprise of many people in the league. There were a lot of teams in on him. There's one team that was a, that's considered a non-contending team, as I wrote in the piece. I know who the team is, but the, I, I don't feel it's right to mention I was asked not to. That team actually offered the most money. Then there were the Cowboys, the Bills, and the Chiefs. The decision came down to Buffalo and Kansas City. Reed went to Kansas City because he felt like on their defensive line, he had a really good shot to really have a nice season. He played with Frank Clark in Seattle. Chris Jones, obviously a great player. But by getting Reed, the Chiefs now can kick Jones outside. If you don't have Reed, I don't think the Chiefs do that. I really don't. I think I think you would have kept Jones inside and you would have seen more of Dana and Okafor and Taco Charlton. But kicking Jones outside, now you have this edge rusher, who, by the way, looks absolutely ridiculous in camp. So now you have him and Clark on the edges. You have Naughty and Reed inside. I'm fascinated to see how this plays out because if this ends up being a great situation, if you're Kansas City, you've kind of got to keep Jerron Reed long-term, do you not? Because if Jones goes outside and has 15 sacks this year and he's an all-pro, you're going to let Reed walk and then Jones has got to reduce back in? That makes no sense. So I, I, don't, I think it's a great move by the Chiefs. I think it was a very interesting way of fixing their pass rush issues. And I, I think it was a home run for him. I, I thought at the time, and after doing the background on it and understanding everything that went into it, I think it's even more of a home run now. Yeah, that has been the talk about that. It's a very underrated move for the Chiefs, and we'll see how it all plays out. We're going to take our last break on the other side. We've got a special announcement for you coming, and Alex Smith just got hired at ESPN. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back in. I always say, and I noticed that Sterling did this too. He'll say, you know, we'll say the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. And it's like, you know, Sterling's a radio guy. It's a radio thing, right? Because if you're like in your car and then you flip on the radio and you don't know what you're listening to and they say, hey, we're going to a quick break, but you're listening to WKAB, whatever, right? You know, with Sterling Holmes. And it's like, this is a podcast. We don't need to do that. I'm going to try to work myself out of that habit. Not that I've ever been a radio guy, uh, but just a funny little thing that we do on podcasts that we probably don't need to do to remind you what you're listening to and who you're listening to. Uh, So I saw that Alex Smith is going to be an analyst for ESPN. I think this is a slam dunk for ESPN. What do you think? Oh, no doubt. Like He's such a smart well-schooled individual in terms of the game. I mean, and nobody would ever say that Alex Smith doesn't know football, right? I mean, I think everybody respects his his intellect and, and the way he views it. And obviously, after everything he's gone through, yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think there's any question. I don't think there's any question. It's a home run for ESPN. He's going to be great. Uh, I really look forward to it. I really look forward to 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 hearing his analysis now, and I don't always listen. I don't always feel that way. I think sometimes guys get hired; they're they're ex NFL players, and that's why they get hired. Nothing more. I think Alex Smith, a lot like Romo, will bring something extra to to his analysis. I don't think it's just going to be this, these couch dancers. I think he's going to be very interesting and insightful, and and I look forward to hearing him. And I'm, and I'm glad for him that he's making the transition. He had a great career. I'm glad he's getting out when he is. And now a second career, I think he'll be in as long as he wants to be in. Yeah. And he's, I think you're right. There's a, he's not going to be, it never has been when he talked to the media or interviews, he's a very even keeled guy. Doesn't get frustrated a lot. That's one of the reasons why he was a good quarterback. He's pretty cool and calm under pressure. And I think he'll bring some of that personality to 
being an analyst and talking about what's going on and, and breaking things down. And uh, I don't think he'll ever be a, one of the bombast guys. Not that it doesn't hurt to have a little bombast in with your analysis, but that's not Alex Smith. I think it's going to be really good stuff. Uh, and I'm really, I'm really fired up for him. Um, so let's talk about the preseason really quickly. We got a couple games this year. It's a, it's a different format. Yep. What do you think the Chiefs should do? Because on one hand, they have a rookie class that they're really liking. That they a lot of people that they think maybe are going to start for them or, or play have significant playing time. And then on the other hand, you have a very veteran team, a championship team that you don't want to mess with. You don't want anything weird happening to Mahomes or Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. How do you, if you're Andy Reid, how do you approach these preseason games? If I were Andy Reid, I would wrap every single one of these guys who really, really, really matter in bubble wrap and not even think twice. Because the only, look, the only real loss that there is in a preseason game is an injury. I don't care. What the score is. If they go to San Francisco and lose by 50 points, I don't care. Couldn't care any less. I defy anybody, and God knows some of you are diehards like us and probably could do this, but what was their record in the preseason the year they won the Super Bowl? No idea. <laughs> no idea. Couldn't even tell you who they played in the preseason that year. Last year, a year ago, they, they, actually, excuse me, last year there were no preseason games. Right, So two years ago were the last preseason games. Who knows what their record was does it matter? No, it doesn't matter, right? So I personally would want to get a look at the younger kids. I'd want to give them some more run. You have one less game to make some decisions on the 53. But as you mentioned, and you're right, like the, the Chiefs are so good. Let's be real. Most of these jobs, and maybe maybe we can do this the next time we, we're on the pod together. We can sit down and try to figure out the 53-man roster. I don't think there's that many decisions to really be made, are there? No. I mean, how many... How many spots are legitimately up for grabs on the 53-man? Now, you can talk about practice squad, all that kind of stuff. That's a little different. But on the 53-man roster, I mean, how many spots are really legitimately in question? Less than a half dozen. So I, I want to get run out of those guys. I want to see the rookies play some. The only caveat I have is I understand that if Andy says, look, I want to see this offensive line play a little bit just to kind of gel because it's so new. All these guys are brand new to each other. That I understand. But I, that all said, I think Andy's going to do what he typically does. I think they're probably going to play the, you know, the Stars for the first quarter or so on Saturday. And then the following game, I think they're probably playing for about a half. And then depending on how they look, the third game I could see him just basically maybe they play a series and they're out or something. I don't think I don't know that you're going to see much more than that if they look now they, if they look horrible the first two preseason games and maybe they get more run, but I I would just hate to see anybody go down and I, I hate seeing on any team you know a guy goes down with a preseason injury and you're like man for what like for some st- I mean hell the Chiefs had no preseason last year they came out of the gates pretty damn good it wasn't exactly killing them that they weren't playing preseason games so I would be very cautious but I think Andy will do what he normally does. Yeah, they've got three preseason games. Saturday, they'll be in San Francisco, then at Arizona on Friday, August 20th, and Minnesota Friday, August 27th. For me, it's put Mahomes out there and let him hand the ball off a few times so that he can work on his exchanges with Creed Humphrey. I think that's the, you know, in a game type situation, like, Good point. you know, yep. do, 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 do work on that a little bit, get out there, get some action. He doesn't need to throw the ball a lot, get some handoffs to some of these, you know, you're trying to figure out what you want to do with this backup running back spot. So this is a great, that's a great opportunity to, you know, get him in the pistol. You know, so you can work on the shotgun and, and just still hand it off, <laughs> you know, like get the, get the, get the ball to Mahomes and get it right out of his hands and have him run away. Um, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, I don't need to see him throw a single pass, but if you want to do a little bit of work with, uh, you know, throw a couple passes to Noah Gray or anything like that, fine. But Chad Henney can do that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's all I want to see. Get, make sure that center quarterback, cause that can be, we know that can be catastrophic. If that's right. not if that's not working out right, and as long as those guys are comfortable together, and the offensive line, I, I think those three guys need to play. It's a brand new line. 
let them play together a little bit and get some reps in the running game and, and some, some pass protection maybe with Henny back there. Let them work that stuff out with Henny. Um, and then it's some camp arm guys. It's uh, let Mahomes yeah. just take a break. Man's man's doing a lot of business. And the one thing I will say, like I love Andy. I don't want to see any like seven step drops in the in the preseason where Mahomes is back there like trying to make something happen. I would literally tell him if you even feel a hint of pressure, just spike the ball into the ground. I don't care. I don't care. We'll take every intentional grounding penalty they can throw at us. I, I, there's, there's not any chance. Like, I don't want you being touched. I'd also tell the offensive lineman, if you feel like you're getting beat on a play, tackle the guy, like literally right. wrap both yep. arms around him and suplex him into the ground. Like whatever yep. it takes, because that is, like, that is the only way this is that this preseason isn't a success. Again, if they lose 50 to nothing, every game they play in the preseason, I don't care. Don't care at all. Doesn't bother me. I guarantee you none of the players care. The Chiefs, this is a very interesting year the way the schedule sets up. And I don't mean to segue into something that, you know, is a little more down the road, but we are now a month away exactly from week one with the Chiefs. Okay. And they open up against Cleveland at home. Their first five games Cleveland at home, at Baltimore on Sunday night football, home to the Chargers, at Philly, home to the Bills on a Sunday night football. Okay. Those are huge games. Other than the Eagles, those are you could argue they're the most important games you're gonna play all year long, those other four games. Because if you win those games, if, you, if the Chiefs come out and they do what they've always done with Mahomes and they win in September, he's never lost a start in September. Okay. If if they come out and they're five and oh, if they handle those games, they handle that business. You're now at that point five and oh with tiebreakers over Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo, and at least you split with the Chargers. As long as the Chiefs just stay healthy, it's a wrap. Like at that point, this, their schedule is much easier after that the rest of the way. I mean, yes, you still do have some, yeah, Tennessee. Right. In some October. Tougher, right. Yeah. I was going to say, right. Because when you look at their schedule, if you, you know, if you, not, not to sit here and run down the entire thing, but you're right. And that's a game I, I was actually going to bring that up. So if you look at Kansas City slate, okay, the way it works out after those first five weeks at Washington, at Tennessee. Washington doesn't have a quarterback, but has a very good defense. Like they're so I should actually even say their first seven weeks. It's a hard schedule, but after that, man, if they come out of that, just Giants at home, Packers at home is a tough game. But then you, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Raiders are at the Chargers on Thursday night. The Steelers at home, the Bengals, the Broncos, like. They're going to be double digit, or uh, let's put it, they'll be at least a touchdown favorite of those last 10 games. I'd be willing to bet they're at least a touchdown favorite against the Giants, the Raiders, uh, even on the road, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Raiders again, Pittsburgh at home, they'll probably be a touchdown favorite, the Bengals and the Broncos. You eight of those last 10 games are probably at least favored by a touchdown. And I and even though I do think Washington and Tennessee are difficult games, they, they should beat Washington. And Tennessee's a tough game. I guess I don't put Tennessee in the same class as some of those other teams. Maybe I should. But I'll tell you, you know, early on is going to determine a lot of what happens for the season with the Chiefs. You come out and win a lot of those games early, you you're holding all the tiebreakers. Like you're, you're first of all, you're off to a great record if you're winning all those games. And second of all, you're off to a, a you have a great record with all the tiebreakers and a much easier schedule down the stretch. I mean, by the time that Kansas City gets to week eight against the Giants, which is November 1st, you're going to have a really good idea of what the Chiefs have to do to be a one seed. Like right. a really good idea. And, and the answer might just be, listen, just beat like the, the bad teams and you're good to go. So the Chiefs have to come out firing this year. And, and if, if they do that, they put themselves in a great spot. Yeah, I think it's, a, you know, by Halloween, we should know what they're uh, all the tiebreaker stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, you get yep. into the AFC record and all that stuff, but for the teams that they're that right now that we know that they're going to have to contend with Cleveland, Baltimore, Buffalo, and Tennessee, all those games are going to happen. And we're going to have a really great idea of, of what they need to do. Yeah. There's an outside chance Pittsburgh could, because they're Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin's a great coach be there just like they were last year uh, for, for a majority of the, 
or a little more than half the season, they were the one seed, right? Um, right. And and you can't ever count those guys out just because of the, that pedigree of that organization. But they're probably not going to be there. Um, By the way, there's too many um, other talented teams. Just came out as we're on the as we're on the air here, um, according to uh, Harold Kuntz, uh, who's a sports anchor and reporter for Fox in Kansas City. Does great work, by the way. You should check out Harold, great guy. Um, our Andy Reid says the plan for the first preseason game is the ones will play the for- the first quarter, the twos will play the second, so on and so forth. So there you go. And Frank Clark today has a hamstring spasm. Whether or not that keeps him out of Saturday's action, who knows? Doesn't sound serious. Um, but yeah, Keep him so on the, the bench. Yeah, I'm sure they will. So the <laughs> Don't Chiefs even, will yeah. play their ones for one, for one quarter. There you go. There's your answer. There it is. Um, yeah, keep, keep keep Frank Clark. And, and frankly, don't take Frank Clark to California. Leave his ass in Kansas City. That actually might be perfect. right. <laughs> no, don't do it. Just leave the man in Kansas City. Let his hamstring heal up. Yeah, hamstring stuff's bad news. Um, yeah. All right, listen. We were going to talk about Jamal Charles and his Hall of Fame case, but Matt, you've got a radio interview coming up. So I think we're just going to save that one but i do we do have a little bit of a special announcement exact dates to be determined but at the end of this month we're taking the arrowhead addict podcast to youtube we are going to be uh, and and i would like to apologize in advance uh for a couple of faces for radio here but we are gonna we're gonna be turning on our cameras and uh we're gonna be maybe even live streaming this sucker so that you can watch us record this live no editing tricks allowed, unfortunately. So we'll have to be on, we'll have to be on top of our game too, coming out of the gate here early on in the season. Um, no more calls from the dentist for you mid-show. I'm not gonna be able to Seriously. do that. Um, but uh, we're really excited about that. The Arrowhead Addict YouTube page. It's just now getting set up. If you search for it, you might be able to find it. The Arrowhead Addict podcast. I don't know that we have any branding up there yet, but go ahead and subscribe. It's it's it exists. It's up there. I don't know if they made it public. If it's not, don't worry. We'll give you all the details. But we're excited to be doing this. We're excited to be taking things next level. If you've ever watched Matt on Stacking the Box, there's a video version of that podcast, which you should also be listening to and subscribing to and reviewing. Uh, it's going to look a little bit like that. So you see the topics that we have coming up, and it'll probably be a think of it like a post game show. It's probably the video version that you'll be getting. Very excited about that. Uh, taking things next level for you guys. And we really appreciate your support. If you want to continue to support us, buy Manscaped, use the code FANSIDED20, or head over to Apple Podcasts. You could do both, by the way, and leave us a written review over there and ask us a question. You guys have really been stepping it up, so I appreciate it. I appreciate really especially everybody who um, who went over to after we got the nasty review that called me unlistenable. Um, I, I really appreciated a, a, a bunch of you guys headed on over there and you were like, I like Patrick. That's nice to hear. Look, we get, everybody's not going to like, uh, not going to like what we do. And you got to have a thick skin if you're going to work in this business. But it, it is nice to, to, to know that there's people out there that are listening that appreciate the work that we do and want to take the time to, to give us a review and, and actually mention our names, uh, more than the haters. So we, we appreciate that. And I know you get some hate every once in a while too, Vertoram, right? Oh, God. Maybe on Twitter. Occasionally, I, I've literally. Mo, listen, most people are great, by the way. Okay, so I want to I want to point that out in process. Most people, ninety nine point some odd percent, are awesome, and and I love having the interactions I do with with you know everybody who listens and, and reads my stuff and interacts with me on Twitter. But oh yeah, oh I've I've had people like, like threaten to kill me. I mean, like literally, like in an email or so. And by the way, I'm still waiting. I'm right here. So um, you know, if, come if, get if, some. You know, if, if, yeah, that's right. Um, oh God, yeah, yeah. I had I had one lunatic actually. Um, now I don't even have Facebook at this point in my life, but I, I did years ago. I had a guy once. Like I forget how this exactly played out. So it was so long ago. He basically he went on my Facebook and then found my wife's Facebook and started commenting on our wedding photos and it was like like kind of like almost threatening her through the photos over some like opinion I had. People are crazy. People yeah, are crazy. Really So are. that said, look, if somebody wants to say, hey, look, you got a face for radio or you're unlistenable, that's that's fantastic. That's peanuts, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I get it. Sometimes I, I feel I'm unlistenable. Um, yeah. But no, everybody's been so great. And by the way, for the record, the YouTube thing is super exciting. 
if you're if you're curious at all, if, and you, you're like, well, I don't know how that's going to change my experience of hearing the Arrowhead Act podcast. It's not. It's still going to be a podcast. You're still going to be able to hear it any way you're listening to it right now. It's still the exact same. It's just yeah. that we're also adding YouTube. So if you want to watch it, you can. And one of the exciting things that's going to happen is we're going to go live after the games. So on the, when the Chiefs play, let's you know I'll keep it on Sunday. I don't want to get to Thursday or Monday, but on on Sundays, we're going to be you know live at some point after the game. You know my job is hectic on Sunday, so I don't know if it'll be like the second the game ends. It'll be later that night. We'll, we'll clue everybody in as we get a little closer. But during the season, we'll be doing two podcasts a week, and we'll be we'll be going live on Sunday night after the game at some point. I would imagine like week two when they play the Ravens, it'll probably be pretty much immediate. So yeah, it'll yeah. be a lot of fun. We'll break it down. We'll dissect it. Um, you know, there's a little chat function, so it'll be great. And I really look forward to uh, seeing everybody over there. Yeah, we certainly do. It's going to be an absolute blast and uh, we appreciate your, your support. So uh, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening to the Arrowhead Addict podcast. We'll be back next week. Well, I'll be back. Verteram will be in a much sunnier place, right? You're going to be, in San Francisco next week. San Francisco with a high for the whole week is 70. I can't Gosh. wait. Hi, why do I live in? It's 90 degrees in Chicago. It's, oh, it's brutal. Yeah. I woke up yesterday to take a walk. I, I walk every morning three miles, get out, clear my head, get a little exercise before the, the day begins. I walked. I, I looked at my phone. It said 71 degrees. I'm like, great. I walk outside. I'm like, oh, my God. It's 71 degrees. It doesn't feel like 71 degrees. I look down at my phone again. 97% humidity. Yeah. 97 it's it like you like jumped in the pool. The Amazon. Right. Like, God, it was unbelievable. Like 97, it was 7.30 in the morning. 97%. Right. I came home, I was dripping. I took a shower. I mean, this is a train wreck. What yeah. is going on? I never thought in my life I'd be ready for like 50 degree weather. So I'm sorry, I like getting out. I like being outside. I, the leaves can start turning tomorrow. Because yeah, bring it on. Cooler weather, less humidity. I don't have to worry about a tornado. And then, by the way, also means Chiefs. Means Chiefs. Football. That's yeah. fine. Bring it all on. Yeah. Bring on bring on the bar of food. Bring on the changing leaves, the cooler temperatures, and right. Patrick Mahomes. Man, we get to watch Patrick Mahomes for an extra game this year. It's gonna yeah. be great. Alright, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you more than you know. For Matt Verdram, I'm Patrick Allen. We'll see you soon. And as always, go Chiefs. who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety minded who watch everyone's backs Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.